it's been reported that Amelia Clark, star of Game of Thrones, who plays Khaleesi, the actress, will not be back for next season for business reasons. Um, I mean, last night was the big season finale where there's a lot of girl power going on in that show. And to hear this, that she's not coming back is, is huge. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm at a loss of words right now. I'm just kidding. I need to keep you non-hockey fans on the edge of your seat and entertain you somehow. So how's that as a warm welcome back to McKenna's NHL podcast. I'm your lead NHL writer and host, Kyle McKenna. We have a few things we need to discuss today that's going on in the around the NHL. Even though the season has come to an end, this has been a uh, busy offseason to say at the least with the NHL draft, which just took place in Buffalo over the weekend. We have unrestricted free agency, which starts July 1st. And then the World Cup is right around the corner. Um, and then we have some Hall of Fame inductees that were confirmed and people who were left off the list for next year. And I also have some Twitter questions to answer, um, which all seem to have to do with Steven Stamkos and um, those who were either inducted or not inducted to the Hall of Fame. So I will answer those questions just as, as the podcast goes along. And for starters, yes, the NHL draft took place. I do have an article up on everything that happened in the first round. It's featured on HookedOnHockeyMagazine.com. I'm not going to get too much into the NHL draft because, let's face it, I mean, there's all these guys out there that, you know, they think they can tell you who's going to turn out to be good and and who's not, and they give you, like, these scouting reports on everyone. It's like 90% of these guys haven't even seen these kids play. So I, I can't sit here and tell you, you know, other than maybe, like, the top five picks, if these other guys are going to turn out to be good. I mean, as I heard, a general manager for one of the best-run NHL teams once say, quote-unquote, we never know. So um, I believe our guess is as good as his at times. Um, Like I said, other than the first five picks, after that, it just, you don't. I mean, you don't know. But Austin Matthews was selected first overall, um, which was, you know, anticipated. Uh, by the Toronto Maple Leafs, so there weren't a ton of trades, which I thought would take place, but there still were a couple of notable trades, and also some interesting rumors uh, that began, and even some quote-unquote tampering, as the league is now investigating uh, one team's general manager. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but uh, the Calgary Flames had contacted the Pittsburgh Penguins and general manager Jim Rutherford, and as I've expressed before over McKenna's NHL podcast, I thought Jim Rutherford would move Marc-Andre Fleury this offseason due to the fact with the emergence of uh, rookie netminder Matt Murray, um, the fact that he was able to lead, help lead the Pittsburgh Penguins to a Stanley Cup championship, and he comes at a much cheaper price than Marc-Andre Fleury does. And in this salary cap era, you're going to have to move guys and move guys that you don't want to and guys you may have signed to long-term contracts. And it looked like Marc-Andre Fleury was going to be one of those guys um, that was going to get moved and especially with the expansion draft that's going to take place next year, the Penguins are going to have to forfeit either Flurry or Murray uh, out there, and chances are the team in Las Vegas would, would take either one of them you know, to, to be on their roster. So why lose uh, a guy like whether it's Marc-Andre Flurry or Matt Murray for nothing? But the Calgary Flames, uh, who are in need of a goalie, the Calgary Flames who are in need of a goalie, they did contact, like I said, the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
and the Penguins wanted uh, the Flames' sixth overall pick in exchange for Marc-Andre Fleury. So the Flames said no to that one, and then they went and contacted uh, Steve Eiserman and the Tampa Bay Lightning for goaltender Ben Bishop, who is up for a, who was uh, a Vezina Trophy nominee for being the league's best goaltender. And even you know Ben Bishop knows what's up. He's, he's probably going to get traded uh, again due to the just this, how the salary cap era works, and is he's due to get paid. But he said, hey, yeah, like, you know, if you want to trade me to Calgary, go right ahead. But, oh, I want a seven-year contract extension worth $7 million per year. So the Flames said no to that one, too. And then they went out and they got uh, a good goaltender in Brian Elliott from St. Louis Blues. But I don't think that's what the Calgary Flames anticipate on getting. Look, Brian Elliott is a fantastic goaltender. And I was very big on him all throughout the 2016 Stanley Cup playoffs. He was a stud. I think he was he was without a doubt the MVP for the Blues throughout the playoffs. If it wasn't for him, they would have lost in the first round of the Blackhawks, in my opinion. So is he the answer in Calgary? No. Um, I mean, he was clearly number three on their list. I mean, he he's proven he can stand on his head like he did in St. Louis in the past. So he'll do that in Calgary with a, a team who is in a bit of a transition, a younger team still maturing new head coach, so they're going to rely on a guy like Brian Elliott, um, but long-term, he, he's probably not the answer, so hopefully he can help uh, mentor some of those young goalies they have in Calgary, which the Flames, you know, they're kind of hard to read whether they, they want to stick with some of these young kids uh, going forward, and if they believe in them, but, well, you know, only time can tell there. And then uh, Jim Benning of the Vancouver Canucks is now being investigated by the NHL for tampering. He came out and said on on a radio interview that he had contacted uh, or you know was expressing interest in acquiring PK Subban from the Canadians, and that you know he was he blatantly just came out and said how they're going to be aggressive and go after Steven Stamkos, and it was hinted that maybe they've already been in contact. And while teams can uh, talk to players' agents and begin contact. Um, you know, now with unrestricted free agents at the time when Benning had made those comments, you weren't allowed to. So he's he's being investigated for tampering and whether or not maybe uh, Benning and company have contacted Stamkos' campaign and uh, who knows what he's telling Steven Stamkos. Probably saying, hey, we're going to get your buddy P.K. Subban too from the Montreal Canadiens. That's interesting. That definitely leads into the next topic of Steven Stamkos, and this will answer some people's Twitter questions, which I have, which I have every week. You can follow me on Twitter at kmckenna underscore tlt5, and tweet me your NHL-related questions using the hashtag McKenna's Digest, and I'll be sure to answer it over the podcast. But I did have a few questions in relation to Steven Stamkos. So he is set to become an un- unrestricted free agent on July 1st. We all know the story. Um, the the big talk for. The past 365 days has been what is the likelihood of him going to the Toronto Maple Leafs. He grew up in Ontario, right outside of Toronto, both he and P.K. Subban. I know it's been reported that uh, Brendan Shanahan and the Leafs have contacted Stamkos' campaign. Whether they'll have enough money um, to convince Stamkos to come to Toronto remains to be seen. Right now, Stamkos has kind of portrayed that money may not be the number one uh, factor to impact his decision here seems that the geographics have to do with this he wants to I think he's expressed that in the back of his mind he wants to head back either to Toronto to play in front of his family or 
a team near Toronto. So that may entail the Buffalo Sabres, who apparently have the money and are willing to pay Steven Stamkos, you know, $12 million a year. The Detroit Red Wings are going to be involved too. That's not far from Toronto. And then I wouldn't be surprised if the Montreal Canadiens are in there. The Canadiens are going to be a dark horse if you look at them right now. They don't have the same salary cap space like the Buffalo Sabres do, like the Toronto Maple Leafs do, or like the Detroit Red Wings do. Um, to offer Stamkos a contract. But if they make some trades, which I think Mark Bergevon can, I think he's a really smart GM. I, I think he'll be able to lure uh, Steven Stamkos into into Montreal. I really wouldn't count the Montreal Canadiens out for the Steven Stamkos sweepstakes. They can move guys like Plakanic. Maybe they can move Dehardans on, on defense, you know, clear up some space. And when you think about it, if they get Steven Stamkos, I've expressed this before that, these championship teams are built with all-stars down the middle of the ice. You've got your number one all-star center. You've got your you know, your, your big D-men. And then you've got your all-star goalie. Well, if the Canadians go get Steven Stamkos, I mean, look at them down the middle of the ice now. you got Stamkos, P.K. Subban, Carey Price and Nett. All of a sudden, this team that's in pick, having a draft pick in the top 10, now, now they're a Stanley Cup contender just like that. So if you can find a way to make cap space in Montreal, and then sell that to Steven Stamkos, which, I mean, that's all you have to say is, now, look, we're cup contenders. You're playing with, you know, a former MVP and one of the best players in the world, and Carey Price, he's going to be healthy. And now we're a Stanley Cup contender, and apparently that's that's a factor with Steven Stamkos. It's not necessarily the money. You know, if a team like the Vancouver Canucks are, are really that serious about signing Steven Stamkos... I mean, hey, you know, they have the Sedin twins there and, and a couple of other um, strong players, but I don't think if, I don't think it's the same if, you know, if Steven Stamkos were to sign in Montreal. I think Montreal is still, still the better team. Um, and, you know, he's not going to be in the Western Conference, different conference, not dealing with the Blackhawks, the Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks, etc. And then if, you know, you look at Buffalo, um, Tim Murray and company, they, like I said, like I just mentioned, they, they really want to pursue this guy, and being that the fact that they're close to Toronto and they have Jack Eichel, they have Ryan O'Reilly, they've been in this rebuilding process for a few years now, and they're ahead of a team uh, like Toronto who's also been in the rebuilding process, and they can offer him some more money. And, oh, by the way, Buffalo's going to be a good team, whether it's next year or the year after that. Um, so, that you know, that's really interesting, too. I, I think Buffalo and Montreal are two legitimate candidates for the the Stamkos sweepstakes. And I'm not saying Toronto isn't, but if you look at those other factors I just mentioned, as crazy as it sounds with Montreal, you know, it's just, it's a different story. You know, Stamkos, yeah, he's he makes the Leafs that much better. Do they make the playoffs? I don't know. I don't think they make the playoffs next year, maybe in two years. And then going forward, yeah, I just, I don't know if they're a Stanley Cup team. I think it's going to take a few years, and is Steven Stamkos willing to wait that long? And will, would he be ultimately worth it for the Leafs? Or do the Leafs just take a backseat on this with Steven Stamkos and just wait a year and go get a guy like Jonathan Tavares, who's a UFA next year? And speaking of Tavares, the Islanders are apparently, they're interested in Steven Stamkos. Um, they're another team, you know, they're not going to have to, they're going to have to let some guys walk in free agency. Um, they're already not going to resign Ocpozo, and they have Franz Nielsen and then Matt Martin. Um, so I mean, it, it it's possible that the Islanders could could sign Stamkos, and it's just that other important aspect of you need to lure him in. 
and you need to have a team that's if we were to add a Steven you have to sell if we were to add a Steven Stamkos or a Stanley Cup contending team next season or the at least you better be the, the the following season and the Islanders would have that if they can find a way to to give Stamkos a, a, a large deal and a large amount of money um, more than the Tampa Bay Lightning are willing to pay him which is I think eight million and change so I mean right right now it really doesn't look good for the Tampa Bay Lightning and Stamkos just because these other teams are coming out and saying look like the Buffalo Sabres we're gonna pay 12 million 12 million dollars and the writings on the wall like you can be an average hockey fan if Stamkos goes and signs with a team like Buffalo or Montreal they're a Stanley Cup contending team so but if so if you look at the teams it's Montreal Boston apparently is in on Stamkos Buffalo Vancouver Toronto the Red Wings um you know, I would I would throw the Red Wings in the top three. So if you look at the, I I would go with the top three for Steven Stamkos. I think Buffalo would be number one. I'll go Detroit number two. Uh, Ken Holland and, and the Red Wings. They've like I said, they they cleared up some cap space and I mean, look at their track record. It says it all. I think that I think a Steven Stamkos Detroit Red Wings wedding is just it has Steven Stamkos written all over it. It's his pedigree. It's how the Red Wings have carried themselves. They've been dedicated to towards success and winning and Steven Stamkos would probably be the guy to get them back to where they need to be I mean as of late the Red Wings they've sure they they've continued their their playoff streak of you know uh 24 25 years but the last few times it's just I mean they're just they're inching in the playoffs you know what I mean there's really they're not legitimate Stanley Cup contenders if you bring Steven Stamkos into that organization it's a whole new ball game and he knows that. So I would go Buffalo, Detroit, and I mean, I guess, you know, you got to think Toronto, Montreal right there in three and four for the Steven Stamkos sweepstakes. Uh, will other teams be involved that I haven't I haven't mentioned? Yes, I think, you know, we'll see one team come out of left field like, whoa, you know, someone you're not expecting um, will definitely offer Steven Stamkos. Well, I mean, why not? Um, but if you were to ask me the, the top three or four teams, uh, I mean, uh, unfortunately for Tampa, I mean, I kind of personally would like to see him stay in Tampa. I think it'd be great for the sport. Um, you know, and Tampa Bay has come so far and I think he's just a great fit down there. Um, but it just, it doesn't look likely that he's going to stay. So, you know, you got to go, it's Buffalo, Detroit, Toronto, Montreal. I think those are, those are the four teams that are going to be it's going to boil down to for Stamkos. And I don't think he's going to sign anywhere right away either. Sometimes people, you know, we got so accustomed to over the years where these big free agents, they sign the day of. I don't think that's going to happen with Stamkos. I think he might drag it on for a week, maybe even two. And that's going to affect the other guys on the market. Some guys might get contracts sooner than, you know, sooner than expected because teams just, they're going to need to pay and they need, you know, they need guys to improve their team. So some guys are going to get overpaid. And then maybe some other players like Kyle Pozo, they're going to have to wait for the Stamkos saga to end because the teams who miss out on Stamkos are then going to go after guys like Kyle Pozo, Andrew Ladd, etc. But it's, it's interesting. I was just thinking, too, just going back to Stamkos in Montreal. Um, I mean, sure, look, you know, Stamkos grew up in Toronto. He's, he, I mean, he's made it known. He's, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and I'm sure to play in in front of that crowd and his friends and family is great and all, but I can't sit here and say that that's what Steven Stamkos wants. 
you know, some guys will just all tell you, oh, well, he wants to go back to Toronto, he wants to go back home. No, no, I mean, we don't know that. Do I get the impression that he probably would like to go back to Toronto? Yeah, I would imagine he probably would. And I also imagine that if Mark Bergevin of the Montreal Canadiens can convince him to go to Montreal, I think he would seriously consider that if the Canadians can make it work. I think for any NHLer who's from Canada, it's in their blood if they're a Steven Stamkos caliber player to go play in Canada in two of the biggest markets in the NHL in Montreal and Toronto. I mean, I think it's just it's naturally in their blood to want to go there and have success. That puts you up there with the best players of all time. That separates you from being an all-star to an all-time great. There's a difference. And Steven Stamkos, whether he wants to admit it or not, and I'm not assuming, but I would imagine he knows that if he were to go to Montreal and take that team on a playoff run and be the same player that we've all come to know Steven Stamkos for being, if you win in Montreal and you're an all-star like Steven Stamkos, you really separate yourself. And that is forever glory in, you know, the hockey mecca in Montreal with a really dedicated, passionate fan base. And all, like, I mean, like, there's nothing like it. So I, I think some people might think I'm crazy that he might go to Montreal, but uh, don't be surprised. I truly believe that all those things I mentioned are going to be important facts. When Steven Stamkos decides to put his John Hancock on the piece of paper, when he signs with an NHL team. I mean, for him to just go into Montreal, be an all-star stud, and win, there's going to be a difference if you were to go there and they wouldn't be a winning team. If he goes there, they will be a winning team. I think those are just important factors. And it's going to impact where he's going to sign. And I mean, I I can almost see it now, just Stamkos there with Subban and Carey Price, getting Montreal back into the Stanley Cup playoffs, going on a run. But And speaking of all-time greats, or a few guys inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, or they've been accepted, so they will be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, later this year, and some guys were not, which definitely surprised some people in the hockey community. But I was happy to see, and I think it's well-deserving, Eric Lindros, longtime Philadelphia Flyer, Canadian native. He's won a World Junior Championship. He's won an Olympic gold. He never won a Stanley Cup but did make a Stanley Cup appearance with the Philadelphia Flyers in 1997. He was finally, I don't want to say finally, but he was. He was finally inducted into the Hall of Fame. And the big debate is, as I was kind of mentioning before, with between there's a difference with the All-Stars and the All-Time Greats, is he an All-Time Great or is he just an All-Star caliber player throughout a majority of his career? And actually, uh, former New Jersey Devils beat writer Tom Galetti and I were just exchanging tweets. Um, I got the impression that Tom didn't doesn't think t- Eric Lindros deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but did acknowledge that he is, you know, was a great player. And hey, I mean, you know, you do, you have to be the best of the best to get into the Hall of Fame. And there's a difference. But I think Eric Lindros was the best of the best. And I think he was a, a unique talent and a unique skill. And something I just uh, tweeted out to Tom was that Eric Lindros had changed the game and that he made a name for himself now nowadays where these new rising stars in the league, some of these bigger players who have the, the size, maybe the physical capabilities, not like it was back then when Lindros played, but just the size and skill, they're being compared to Eric Lindros, a guy like Evgeny Malkin, 
um, and a few other players. So I think that speaks volume um, to what Lindros, to who Lindros was as a player. And if, you know, nowadays rising stars and established stars in the NHL are, you know, you're comparing them to, you know, to a player in the past. My guess is he's probably a hockey, you know, a hockey hall of famer. And then Tom had just kind of tweeted back at me, look, I should have maybe clarified a little more. He's like, well, how did he change the game? Um, I, I think Eric Lindros did. I think he he changed how teams play. And he opened up new doors for the future of hockey with some players. No one had really ever saw a, a, a guy like Eric Lindros before. This big kind of bulldozer player who maybe wasn't the most graceful skater. And sure, I guess... His head was down a few times. Scott Stevens will, will will tell you that. But Lindros was unique in the sense where he just he had that that size and skill where he was almost unstoppable for close to a decade with the Philadelphia Flyers. And teams had to change their defensive unit, how they played the game because of Eric Lindros. And if teams had to change how they played the game in general as like a league overall, then if you are that guy, then in my opinion, you're a hockey hall of famer. And sure, his style of play probably was his own cause of his career being cut short. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubting that. But there's also the fact where he came in at a time what, you know, he was a rookie in the early 90s. By the time that that second lockout approached in 2005, there was a, a good chunk of players who didn't survive after that because the game had just had just changed as a whole. And I'm sure that year off hurt a lot of guys like a Paul Correa who didn't get into the Hall of Fame, Jeremy Roenick, etc. All those guys, they really, they lost the year off of their career and it didn't help them. So I think that's just something to realize too. I know Lindros didn't play in a thousand games, but he was, uh, he did average more than a point per game. Lindros had played in 760 career games, 372 career goals, 493 assists for 865 points. So, I mean, those are impressive numbers, and look, he did. He played for, well, you know, he played for over a decade. I think that's a a good sample um, to make an argument that you're a Hall of Fame player. And with what I just said of him, the fact that teams had to change the way they played every night, um, and you you know you you needed to go out and get big defensemen to just to to shut this guy down, a guy like Scott Stevens. And I also think that speaks volume to how, how Stevens was as a player. I mean, times have just the game isn't what it was back in the mid '90s, early 2000s. But I've also heard Scott Stevens come out and say, like, "Look, this guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame," and he quote unquote changed the way the game is played. You know, with that being said, one of his biggest rivals and the guy whose job was basically to shut down, you know, the Devils division rivals best players and there was a lot of them back then there was Yammer Yager, Eric Lindros, Messier who was in the mix there, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux um, you know the, the list goes on in that old Atlantic division but Eric Lindros I mean dude he, he won Eric Lindros was a guy who won the MVP in 1995 um, and he'd also share the scoring title with a guy like Yammer Yager and look Yammer Yager's a unique a unique player of his own and that's another discussion for another time but the fact that this guy clearly made a name for himself where NHL analysts, scouts, anyone you talk to in hockey can now compare players today and bring up the name Eric Lindros. I think you clearly impacted the game and made a name for yourself to the point where you were probably bigger than an all-star. 
you're a Hall of Famer. So I was happy to see Eric Lindros get in. Um, I think it, you know, I think it's more than deserving. Um, as far as some other guys who didn't get in, uh, I know Paul Korea didn't get in. Jeremy Roenick still hasn't gotten in. Sergey Zubov, Alexander McGillany is still out there. Dave Andrewchuk. Um, it is kind of silly if you ask me how some of these guys, they have to wait like 40 years. I mean, a, like literally like a very long time just to get into the Hall of Fame. And it's just like, I guess, you know, only a certain amount of guys get in. And with the committee voting, it's, I guess, timing is everything and who's in your class. But look, if you're a Hall of Famer, then just, just put these guys in. As soon as they're eligible, just put them in. It, it should be... It shouldn't be this hard where certain guys have to wait forever um, to get into the Hall of Fame. Like Paul Correa, yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. He's another one. He was a unique talent back when he came into the league. Sure, he didn't win a Stanley Cup, but he still had individual success. And for an American-born player at the time when, you know, both him and Jeremy Roenick, they're they're comparable to Mike Madonna. They're in the same... When you think of Mike Madonna, you think of Jeremy Roenick and Paul Correa. Mike Madonna is a Hockey Hall of Famer. Jeremy Roenick should be a Hockey Hall of Famer. Paul Correa should be a Hockey Hall of Famer. They're, I just I don't see why these guys need to wait, or at least for an extensive period of time. I get uh, you, you, you probably don't want to put a ton of guys all in at once. I mean, can you imagine that ceremony? But there are some guys who get uh, like, 10 some odd years. Like, come on. And then they get in. Like, what? They haven't played. I mean, they retired. What are they all of a sudden? They got better in retirement and they changed your mind. So now they're a Hall of Famer. They paid their dues. So as far as like Dave Andrewchuk, yeah, I, I think he's no, he's a hot, he's a Hall of Famer. What what are we waiting for next year? Sergey Zubov, you know, he's right up there with Scott Niedermeyer in my mind. Maybe not as talented, but he was pretty darn close. And I mean, Zubov, what two-time Stanley Cup winner, um, just very talented, well-rounded defenseman who also played in a very physical, dirty era. And you got to give credit to those guys that they were able to last that long and the styles they played. Sergei Zubov deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And he's, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated defensemen of all time because he, he was always surrounded by all-stars on those Ranger teams that won, on that Ranger team that won the Stanley Cup. I mean, that team is just like stacked if you look at the roster. The Dallas Stars team that won the Stanley Cup. I mean, Brett Hull, Mike McDonough, Joe Neuendijk, Jamie Langbrunner. Um, I'm even, I'm, Ken, uh, I'm leaving some guys off there too. So yeah, I mean, I, I think some of this, some of the, the fact that some of these guys have to wait and then certain guys get in and then you question, well, how is he in the Hall of Fame? And, and he's not, I think it's a little silly. I think it should just be black and white. Look, if you're a Hall of Famer, you get in. Tops, you have to wait an extra like year or two, nothing more. Uh, anything more than that is just, is ridiculous in my opinion. I don't see how that, how someone can, can change from, he's not playing hockey for 10, 20 years. Now, all of a sudden, he's a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't back then when he retired. And then another interesting topic with the Hockey Hall of Fame, a guy like Mark Recchi, where, hey, look, Mark Recchi played in, like, two different eras of hockey. He's like Yammer Yager. The guy almost had two different careers. And he was, you know, he never was a guy who necessarily, like, led the league in, in scoring or had any of those individual, um, you know, resume standouts. But Mark Recchi was a really good player and for a long time and he's one of those guys that adopted his game and was and unlike a Lindros or a Paul Correa, Jeremy Roenick, a Brett Hull, after that second lockout, he he still found a way to compete and play and how the game changed. So I think you need to give credit to that too. And does that make him a Hall of Famer? I mean, considering he's won, what, three Stanley Cups? 
over the span of uh, I think it was what like 20 years or something yeah I, I I think that's a unique talent that definitely stands out and um, the fact that he was able to do that is very it's a rare commodity so I think Mark Recchi deserves to be in the Hall of Fame without a doubt I think if you could I mean for a guy who who played in the early like a guy like Yarmar Yager sure he doesn't have the the same numbers as Yags but the fact that he basically played in two different eras of hockey and was still and still could, you know, impact a team and help them win a championship, that really makes you stand out in this sport. And I think Mark Recchi should be in the Hall of Fame. But that's just me, and that's my rant. And then we have, this is a long edition of McKenna's NHL podcast. Then we have uh, hockey is, you know, officially expanded to Las Vegas. Las Vegas will have a team for the start of the 2002 2002- 2017-2018 season. I've expressed before, look, if a, if a team did move to Las Vegas, I wouldn't be really moved one way or the other. Or I guess I could say I'm not anti the NHL shouldn't be in Las Vegas. Um, I admire what the NHL has been able to do with some expansion franchises and just the fact that the NHL has has become the most equally competitive league in professional sports. And I think the fear sometimes is, well, when you get an expansion team, they're, they're not going to be any good for a while, and a sport like hockey can't afford that. I don't think this is going to be the case. I think they have the expansion draft right, and I think it's a different era now. The last time the NHL expanded was in the late 90s, early 2000s, when you had Nashville, Atlanta, Columbus, Minnesota. One of the teams had to move, Atlanta Thrashers, to Winnipeg. But, hey, I mean, that's okay. Three out of four teams are doing well, and, and they're good hockey markets. That's a that's a good business ratio, good percentage. So with Las Vegas, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to do okay. And I think they're going to be a competitive team. Um, and I like this guy Foley. I mean, he seems dedicated. He seems, you know, this just isn't like a business thing. He generally wants hockey in Las Vegas. And I think that's important too. And, you know, the big question is, well, are they, gonna, are they going to have enough fans? You know, or is it just kind of something maybe like how some Florida – is it going to be how some of the teams in Florida professional sports kind of have some problems where maybe they don't have the natives as their fans? It's just kind of uh, tourists. I mean, the first overall pick, so this is just something I should have mentioned earlier, but Austin Matthews is a native of Arizona right outside of Phoenix, grew up a Phoenix Coyotes fan. He's the first in his bloodline to play hockey. So think about that. The N- when the NHL decided to to move to Phoenix, Arizona, which, which seemed kind of crazy back then, and some people were still wondering why why the heck is there a team there? But you know, even back then, like over time, a team in Phoenix, uh, a team with the Phoenix Coyotes, it impacted a, a youth player, and now he's the first overall pick in the draft. So with how the times have changed and how marketing has adopted, and with with social media, I think. This Las Vegas team is going to be able to to do something like that and create a hockey culture in that area much like basically ten times faster than some of these other teams had to. So I think they'll do well. I think just the times have changed, and I think you need to give the NHL credit too for being the first uh, major sport to go there and put a team there. I think some other teams were. Can I? Could we go as far as? Could we go as far as saying they're scared, um, hesitant? Um, and I think the other major sports are, are more than happy to see hockey be the first because if, if a league were to fail, you know, hey, it's not them. It's not the NFL. It's not the NBA. It's not the MLB. But I, I think hockey, is, this is going to 
be a good thing for hockey, ultimately, even though it is Sin City and Las Vegas. I think ultimately this will speak volume to how hockey has grown overall and just with how market, I really, I do, I think sports marketing does play a part in this and I think things will just move 10 times faster and to the point where Las Vegas will have a good hockey team and will establish a hockey culture there. So thanks for listening to this extended episode of McKenna's NHL podcast. Uh, I apologize for that next time. We won't go on as much, but I do thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or like your question over my podcast, you can reach me over Twitter at kmckenna underscore tlt5 and just use the hashtag McKenna's Digest and I'll be sure to answer your question. And also McKenna's NHL podcast is now available on iTunes. You can subscribe for free. So until next time, everyone.